Prop Magazine podcast, the first of 2019, in fact. Um, we do apologise. We've been away for quite some time. We've, <laughs> Not, we've been on holiday by mistake. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, you're listening to Jerry Ewing, the editor, and I'm joined by um, our trusty art editor, Russell Fairbrother. Hello there. And reviews editor, Joe Kendall. Hiya. Hello. Um, yes. So I think the last time we put a podcast out was your chat with Bill Bailey. It might have been, yes. Absolutely. The end of last year when we um, also went to see him. Yes. Um, which was really good. Oh, it was fantastic. Very, yeah, very good. Yeah, good fun. Loads of music in there. It was. It was very good. Um, yeah, I think Christmas got in the way and then trying to get back into the swing of things in January. Um, but now we're up and running with this podcast, which hopefully will go up early next week. Um, then we should be back in the swing of things. Yeah. So what we've got coming up, we're going to have a quick chat about what we've been up to. We've got some questions that you lovely lot have sent in. And we're doing our best to answer those. And having a quick dip into the uh, latest issue of Prog, which is the one with Jethro Tull on the cover. Prog 95. Uh, so, Joe, Russ, what's the progiest thing you've done lately? We went to Focus. Yeah, we went. We, we had a weekend away, didn't we? We did, in <laughs> yeah, Lewis. We had a hot day in Lewis. Hot day. Oh, yeah, I said that, yes. You Hot did, day you did Lewis. say that, yeah. So Lewis is a, a, such a lovely little town. I've been there a few times for um, various uh, gigs. They've got a, a festival every year now called Lewis Psych Fest. Um, but aside from that, there's a great little venue that I went to for the first time uh, with Russ, which is Lewis Con Club. And, what, it's about 150 capacity? <laughs> it's, about 150 it was about capacity. 150. It was a well, it's just a social club, it's wasn't a social it? Social club. So I remember that it was a packed room, boiling hot. And but there was one guy. Obviously, he was going to have his Saturday night as he usually did. He was up at the bar just reading the newspaper yep. while everyone was milling around yep. waiting for him. Right. Think, and this it, was and this was within the gig. Yeah. Well, it's not. It's it's not a hall. It's a you know. Well, social club. club. I think it's the con club. So it might have been used to be called the conservative club. I don't know, but it's yeah. It's a, it's a social club, so it's got a bar and then a big room with a nice stage, good lighting, right. good sound system. They do a lot of gigs there. Yeah. But it's obviously open to, you know, if you're a member there, you'll just go you'll along just go for a Saturday anyway, night yeah. quiet. And so you've got all of us like milling around. It reminds me when I used to, when I lived in Camden, and I lived near a pub called the Unicorn, um, which puts on a lot of gigs, a couple of prog gigs it's had in the past, a lot of metal gigs. Three gigs every night, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and um, <laughs> it used to be quite amusing. A friend of mine ran it, which was kind of handy, so I'd been there quite a lot, and it had your, your local crew, and these people that lived and grown up in the area for years and years and years, that would go into the pub, and they would sit there and, you know, get in there in the afternoon, just chat, and then you'd have the metal crew that would come in, <laughs> right? And they would take over the jukebox and then the bands would come in, they'd start sound checking and the locals just acted like nothing was going on. They would just <laughs> carry on. And I mean, it was two diametrically look, looking opposite groups of people that existed in symbiosis with each other, but with no real... Unbelievable. Yeah. Although, anyway. although I've had the similar type of thing, I went to see Sepultura when they were doing a warm-up for Brixton, and this was at the new cross-in, and Sepultura, so that there's the crowd arrived that, and Sepultura on stage, and still some blokes with a racing post and a flat cap at the bar, drinking Guinness, kind of like, what? And we're like, what? But... Yeah, as you say, as you say um, existing in symbiosis, just doing our thing. Yeah, just yeah. a normal Sunday just, night out. You know, no antagonism between the two groups. Occasionally, a look up and like <laughs> a weary shake of the head. What has become of the youth today? <laughs> kind of thing. I always found that highly amusing because obviously, I only knew both groups. So, yeah, you, you, know. you had a foot in both caps, basically. Yeah, so, but the, the, con, anyway. the con club was great because it was a great space, except it just was so boiling hot. Um, and there's no cloakroom. I mean, they're very trusting. They said, oh, you can put your coat on the hook at the back by the loos. Well, well. Then, it was in fact, hot. actually, I it felt was like... hot because it was, it was packed. It was a sellout. It was a sellout. It? And it I, was I couldn't actually crowd. get into the main room, so I was in the, the um, area just outside these... Oh, did you not go to the bar and have a chat with the bloke reading his paper? Nah, he was... <laughs> Look too busy. So no, it's a great gig. I've I got a spot the, at the back. The mix of the crowd. I couldn't see the band, but I could hear them very, very well because they brought in their own sound engineer. And some friends of mine were also playing the Hair and Hoof, who we've chatted about before. Uh, they were on first. 
they were a little bit kind of compromised because they were sort of squashed up against the headliners gear and so on and so forth and they weren't really able to partake of the same mix shall we say so uh, they, their sound was a little compromised but they did their best there's a lot of cape action wasn't there for hair and hoof yeah yeah we like that um and there then was they, room to swing a cape there was room to swing stage. a cape yeah so when they finished uh, focus arrived and the sound was incredible and the playing was also super incredible it was it was just i can't believe how good they were you've seen them before and you told me they were going to be good yeah yeah but and also but because of the crowd looked like there was there were younger people there who i didn't think i'd see at a focus gig yeah i know young people and so i wonder yes. if it's the psych festival helps you know that area i think actually and when there's a gig on people, people just go and so i think they everyone stayed to the end it wasn't like people just having a look in and go in again that yeah the playing was brilliant. You know? Yeah, so, we, you know, we had the full gamut. Uh, of course, it had the hits. And also, something that took us a bit by, uh, took us back a bit, which was the longest drum solo I've ever heard. In now, the I've read the review, the live review of the gig that is going into... The next issue. next issue. Yeah. Uh, where someone basically picks up on the, the halfway through an ex- exhilarating version of Hocus Pocus. Yeah. They go into a drum solo. Yeah, yeah. and the Hocus Pocus is the encore. Right, yeah. so you kind of come it. back out and do it, and then suddenly there's a ten-minute drum solo. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, that took us a bit by surprise. It was sort of like oh, right. and also because like, we've already seen them play for like two hours, and it is the original uh, drummer as well. Yeah, um, appear and yeah, Van der Linden. Yeah, and I mean, what a drummer he is. He is incredible. So he had all of that energy still stored up for this ten minutes. So there was a point where it was just duh, 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 just training off. We were like, oh, phew, and then it goes up again. It's fine again. <laughs> and we're like, no, it's going to be death by drum solo. Um, but it was really, really great. Every everyone was just on form. Um, tears, tears, twice, twice. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I say twice, family, and I say tomato. Tice, tease. I mean, we jokingly before we started recording the podcast, we said we could probably spend an entire podcast just trying to work out how to pronounce. How you say it? it. I'm going with Tice. Family. Tice, right? That's it. We'll, we'll, we'll say Tice. Anyway, it's the most fun I've ever or you had. Could at phonetically, call him Thidges. 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 So Tice is really on form. I mean, he's got the odling, and also we were yodeling. Um, gets the vocoder out. Um, the the runs on the keyboard just magnificent. You great, know. great musicianship. Frothy. Were yeah. they progressive or regressive? Oh, oh. I see what you did there. Yeah, because well, in in the in the new issue, um, which and we we stuck it up online. He says he doesn't think any modern bands that are called prog are progressive they're all regressive and the only progressive musician he ever thought there was was Frank Zappa because he combined classical music and rock music um, and obviously that kicked off an almighty swarm of action people agreeing disagreeing I mean I personally I think he's got a point and we're not going to go into it here because then that that would be the rest of the podcast taken up mm. with with that but it, it was an interesting point that, that he had to make he has a point in my mind in my view but he also misses the point drastically because clear i don't think he clearly listened to enough of what falls under progressive music in the modern day i think also we underestimate or overestimate how much music our musical heroes are listening to because sometimes they're not really listening to a lot of music at all oh no it's it's a it's a it's a thing that crops up when we want to talk to people from the prog world about prog and then you know one or two will turn around and go well i'm sorry i don't know anything about yeah. that and, and they, know, they might just because i'm in a prog band doesn't mean i like you know i can imagine yeah. the only material you might hear regularly is whoever's on the same um gig as here that, that's how these people get to hear other bands I, I, I would have thought I would have thought blues jazz and classical weighs very heavily on the playlists of uh, the more elder statesmen of the genre and I would have thought that prog and other more modern musical genres like metal and all manner of stuff is the playlist of of the um, the younger artists that we write about I mean, it's very, very easy. And I used to have this thing when I was reading Sounds and Kerrang! back when I was a kid. I mean, I just assumed, because they were in a band together, that they were all mates. You know, that's just 
you know, not the case. You learn that very quickly once you start writing for a magazine, of course. Mm. But, you know, there's that kind of, that starry-eyed impression mm. that, you know, one, that they must all be mates, and two, they must all be in the music style that they play. Mm. And both of those are so far from the truth. Yeah. Um, they might not be listening to music at all. They might be reading yeah. books or watching films or playing games or having a sleep you know I mean th- th- there's other things to be doing we listen to music constantly yeah. partly because it's our work but also because we absolutely yeah. love it I'm not saying they don't love it I mean, maybe they I, start listening to, to the, the oh I, I have I have different ways of listening to music um, I don't listen when I travel just because I've been listening I just want it out of my head mm. at work in the office I'll, I'll listen to it for half but we're working on the magazine and sometimes I don't need to listen to anything when I'm working from home is when I tend to listen to stuff that I've been sent as I've got it on the iTunes on my lap, my work laptop and I'll sit there and I'll be working on stuff and I just have the music on and taking it in and that's when I go through a lot of the stuff that's coming that you need to consider for work at the weekends then I like to spend my mornings reading having a cup of tea and listening to music of my choice and that's normally when the vinyl comes out so I have my vinyl session on a Saturday and a Sunday morning. So that's yeah. all the aqua steps, yeah, all, that, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, get up, do a little dance. <laughs> yeah. get, get the crop top on. And, yeah. um, that's too much of a... But that's, that's, that's just yeah. how my listening sort so of falls. So I think that, you know, when we talk to um, uh, other musicians, yes, there are going to be some who are inhaling as much music yeah. as anyone else, but there are going to be others who are kind of actually blotting it out because they want to stay focused. Yeah. And that focus, hey, hey so I did that, wah, wah. And uh, they're just kind of, uh, they, they need to have a, a, a narrow bandwidth with which to operate with so they don't get off the track, you know? Yeah. So... Okay, um, but I'd say that we, they we, are progressive. Yeah, I think so. I <laughs> yeah. think so. As they're well. still progressive. God, I mean, they're yeah. progressive. Because <laughs> we could, we could quite literally again. This is something else we could spend all, mm. all day talking about. Uh, and because we need to try and keep a time limit on these things, try that'll do for focus. Yeah, and we love, and we love Lewis Con Club. Definitely go back there again. But go back Definitely. to the fan. Yeah. But Sun Ra, Marshall Allen and Sun Ra's orchestra playing. There. Yeah, and also Nick Turner is playing there. They've clearly got a promoter that's got them on the. Dictionary Pudding. Sorry, is that advertising? But Dictionary <laughs> Pudding putting that stuff. And Dictionary Pudding put on the residence who I saw last week that's as well. That's pretty good. Yeah. But last night, Joe and I had a hot date. We did have well, a hot date. Along, uh, along, along I'm with getting around to it, aren't I? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, along with Mike Barnes as well. Yeah, that's right. a, a, a menage a trois. Yeah. Well, hang yeah. on, Mike Barnes was at home folk. Oh, yeah. he gets he's around that Mike Barnes, you know. It's <laughs> a little connecting point. <laughs> so um, we were down at the Troubadour, um, an equally lovely venue, oh, I thought. Oh, yeah, really. Um, and again, roughly the same size, possibly slightly tinier, because right. it is teeny tiny. For Judy Dybul's 70th birthday bash. Yeah, she's 70. And I, I have to say, really enjoyed it I like the venue I had a meal and a bite to eat with some friends of mine that um, that were there as well because I uh, do good grub and I tell you what the food was well, I had a kind of duck pate to start gorgeous sea bass and then uh, uh, sticky toffee pudding oh, custard lovely. oh man it was and literally I think all night I drank about one and a half pints right and I was there till I left just before 11 o'clock now, normally I'd have doubted it. <laughs> I was so full, I was just like, that nah, can't be doing But you're having the full prog experience there of a three-course meal, a dinner a dinner and a dance, <laughs> and you stood in the spot where Bob I, did Well, uh, according to Ian, who's... Uh, Ian Williamson runs the venue to Troubadour, and honestly, I'd give it a big thumbs up for food, for ambience, for music upstairs to listen to, and uh, I really liked the whole experience downstairs, but... Obviously, the Troubadour, when it originally opened, was just one of those two shop yeah, fronts. Yeah, it's double-fronted, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so it wasn't quite like it was. And as we were walking through, he said, that's where Dylan played. So I kind of stood there, because I still get a buzzer, that that's sort Yeah, of thing. it's fantastic. It was, um, but uh, Judy, I'm really, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't look 70, doesn't sound 70. Good point, no. Um, it was great. Um, Jackie from Trader Hall. That's right. She wanted to celebrate the night with something yeah. very special, so, so she thought she'd encompass... A, f- a few of the flavours from her past yep. and uh, as, as everyone probably knows she was the first singer with Fairport Convention unfortunately no one from Fairport could make it because they're on tour at the moment and in fact tonight they play Basingstoke with Robert Plant in support really? he's got, really? he's got here his new band Saving Grace 
So um, that's a, that's a bit of a coup. He lo- he loves Fairport. They yeah. love him. And also, as we know, we've spoken about this before. Robert loves Judy. So yeah, um, it would have been quite nice if suddenly some well. of them had turned up and he'd been there. But uh, yeah, so she she left when she left Fairport. She teamed up with Jackie McCauley from them and did the lovely um, Trader Horn Trader Horn record, an album which I believe is much treasured and, and quite expensive it's when it's yeah. original. It is, absolutely. They were named by John Peel as well. Uh, Trader Horn was his, his nanny, and they, they uh, got the name from him. He gave them the name, saying, oh, this would be a good name for you. They only did one record, um, mm. and then moved on to other things. I think at that point, Judy was actually uh, probably married and about to start a new phase as a mum. And her, her son, Daniel, was there last night. Um, and there's one of her songs, because there's some things that you probably hadn't heard before, Jerry, but one of her songs goes into her having 30 years off. Um, and that's what happened. The harp song. Not, uh, was not it, the harp song. Maybe it was harp song. But I, I got the gist. Yeah. I, I, I was mesmerised. I thought it was wonderful, the music she played. I mean, it was lovely hearing the Trader Horn stuff. Mm. Her and Jackie got up and did some stuff together. Mm. Um, then um, she had a band. Yes, that's right. Perfect band of perfect strangers. And uh, I, I thought it was, I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, it, it ranged from folk, you know, simple folk, a bit of blues, to some quite proggy stuff. With the flute, well. with, the, yeah. with the, the, the recorder and the flute. Yeah, yeah no, right. and, uh, um, and, but in general, it was, it was just, it was wonderful. Yeah. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think that, uh, I think we all... My sister was there. That's well. right, yeah. So, yeah. And, um, and uh, Amy Burks. Amy Burks, David Burks Longdon. Burks and Croon and David Longdon from Big Big Train. Um, and Aaron from Paradise Lost. <laughs> yeah, Aaron, all the all, yeah, all the folk favourites. Yeah, Aaron and Keris were there because um, he, he came to when when it was the Trader Horn anniversary. Uh, they played Bush Hall, and Aaron came to that as well. So and the, and at that point we were going. Are you, are you sure you're not going to do some sort of like pop like folk outfit? Aaron's Aaron's very. I mean, I've, he's been a, he's a very good friend of mine. We've been mates best part of 20 years um, you know I mean I, I when I, I first, had a hot date with him the first time you, you, you fixed us up we went to rush together <laughs> um, Aaron um, he, I love Paradise Lost when, back in when I was working for Metal Hammer I interviewed them and him and me hit it off particularly well and, and just remained pretty good pals then he moved from uh, Yorkshire down to London mm. and then he ended up marrying a friend of mine mm. um, and uh, now he's part of the heavy metal truants the bike charity thing that we're involved with and he's a really good friend but uh, he's always he's always into a bit more um, you know when he goes on tour it's like what should I be listening to what's on the proggy side of stuff because yeah. I want to you know load up on he's some, one of us yeah and, yeah. and listen to so yeah, but, he, but he loves a bit of this this folk and pastoral stuff as well it's absolutely yeah. lovely so, so yeah it was a it was a, a really good show very extensive show mm. uh, by the well, end I she mean, was I... into her King Crimson because obviously she was at the beginning of yeah. King Crimson when it was Giles Giles and Fripp she was um, she was in, in with that so lovely version of I Talk to the Wind um, that went down very well and that's something that actually caught Amy Burks's ear she went oh this is a lovely tune she'd not heard that before so um, you never know that might crop up in her repertoire it's good if you think well. about it we had uh, according to the uh, well, obviously we talk about the readers poll a bit later mm. but we had as far as the readers are concerned the best female and male vocalist in the prog, in the current <gasps> prog world they were there in last the night. room last night they were there last night wow. David Longdon and Amy Burks wow so hey we were amongst Giants yeah, of in, the of the readers poll, <laughs> indeed. But it was yeah, it was, a, it was a, a great venue, lovely show, and happy birthday to Judy. Right, some readers, re- questions? some readers' letters. Um, we asked, uh, we put a call out on social media, and uh, we got a few back in. There's one or two, two that we're going to actually tackle here between the three of us. There's a couple of things that cropped up that I'm actually going to mention just to get the word out. So anyone listening, um, this is kind of explaining. Alan Parker on Twitter said, that we said, got any questions for us? Yes, where is my magazine and why won't they answer my emails? They've had the money. Um, now I did, I did message Alan back, I'm yet to hear from him. Um, once, once prog goes into the post, we can't really control it. So we do, we are aware that issues go missing. Um, now, if you imagine the future publish well over a hundred magazines and the, the team that are trying to source, uh, sort out all the customer 
things things do slip through occasionally. So um, what I'm going to tell you now is what you should do. This is up on various of our social platforms, but anyone listening in that experiences a problem and you don't get satisfaction from the uh, customer service, then you email us, prog at futurenet.com, and you tell us what the problem is with all your details, and we will look into that for you and hopefully get some action on it very quickly. Um, that's the reason that I've brought Alan's mm. query up. It does happen, issues do go missing. Um, people seem to think that, you know, it's, it's, we don't bother sending half the magazines out or something. It's, the magazines all go out at exactly the same time um, because it's, it's, that there is no logical way. Why would you stagger them or anything like that? It's, they all go out. Once they're out, unfortunately, it's up to the postal service. So what we've got is we've got a release date, which is the newsstand date, and the subscriber magazines uh, should arrive five days before. Is that right? Well, it could be anything. In the UK? Yeah, it should be. I'd say it's more three to three... Two to three, possibly four days prior oh, okay. before it's not, not but um, so I mean obviously always give it a cup give it a bit of time. Sometimes, you know, things go missing and sometimes emails fall through the cracks. It happens everywhere. Yeah. And this is why we're saying email us prog at futurenet.com, all the details, we will get on your case look onto your case and look into it for you and hopefully get it sorted out very quickly and if you're so, overseas then obviously we're looking at things that are a lot because it's only coming out from this country so it's taking a lot longer to get to where you are but hopefully it does turn up i mean i'm seeing on twitter we've got one reader in particular who always flags up when they've got their stuff yeah. very proudly oh this has just arrived so they just got issue 94 the steve hackett one um so yeah you're just a little bit a little bit behind, about a month behind. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Martin Simmons is, uh, is on the uh, Prog Readers group. Says, um, I wonder if the standard advertising for prog gigs and festivals is doing enough to attract punters. For example, I was attracted by an advert for Summer's M Festival. I could possibly only go. He goes on basically to say there wasn't any information. He wanted to know if there were seats available or anything like that um, because once you, know, you get to a certain age, you need to know what sort of facilities, I guess, mm-hmm. are are on offer. And I think I think Martin makes a good point. This isn't something I don't think, um, I don't really know what we as a magazine could do because this really is down to the promoters and the venues, isn't it? Yeah. I presume on the adverts, I mean, they do. They, they give a website address. And that's so often that's got where FAQs you get the and extra things. information yeah. from. Yeah, I, maybe, I suppose it's a limited space in, a, say, a magazine advert where you can't get all the info in. Yeah, um, they normally say. Yeah, I would have. To, yeah, I mean, I would have thought uh, really your, your first port of call should be um, check the website's FAQs. Yeah. And email uh, if there's a contact. Just email them because I mean, obviously, these things are set up by myriad different groups and, and individuals that we don't we're not really in touch with all the time um i don't you know i think most people it, it, it's 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 a difficult one i guess it's it's it it sort of almost ties in with um simon withers uh also on the um the the, the prop readers uh, group wanted to know our views on what appears to be a sharp decline in concert etiquette which in the space of time that appeared and us coming in to do the podcast has already got the expected reactions of many yep. voicing their displeasure. And at, when he uh, says etiquette, he means talking, talking at gigs. gigs. Yeah. Basically, I think so. Um, now, we've broached this subject before. and We can't, I mean, if we get stuck into it, we'll be here for hours. Um, talking about talking at gigs. Yeah. Um, I think we're all kind of agreed that it does get taken too far. Mm. Um, I think we certain scenarios. It, I this think, isn't on. Like no, you're I in agree. a seat, you're in the like Queen Elizabeth Hall, and you're seated, and it's nice and quiet, I, and sedate around you. I think you I don't think, start chatting away. I think there's a there there is a problem in the prog community that there is now just a knee jerk anti reaction, and people just really their, their their sense of anger about this is slightly disproportionate. You've got to think, because you're asking venues and promoters to take action on your behalf. They view going to a gig as a social act, a yeah. social action. Um, 
I think that you know people should be polite enough that if they want to talk, go outside. Yeah, definitely. And do, or go to the bar and if do it's it a there. Quiet band. You can't have someone that's right up front. And we, I think we spoke about this before when I was at servant quarters, and it's a solo show by someone like Carvers. Two people chatting right in front of me. It's like a third, fourth voice. Well, I mean, actually, Amy Burks. Um, told two women last night to, to button it at the Judy Dibble thing. And where I was sat, which was, I was sort of probably about five yards behind Amy, and I could hear some noise, and I thought, because there were alcoves behind me... You thought it was there? No, I thought it was there, cause mm. I could, but I didn't realise, and apparently it was two women actually just over there. Uh, you can't, obviously, I'm pointing, mm. no one listening can see that. They are sort of near us, but I hadn't... And then eventually Amy just went... Can you, and after about 10 minutes, they both got up and left. But that's another thing. We've said this before. Just a quick, sh- or, you know... Well, I think so. Yeah, you don't have to be rude to yeah. ask them to be quiet. But if you, yeah. A quick, yeah, shh. Some people shh. Get, are getting carried away, especially if they've, like, met up, not seen each other for a while, and they just end up ch- chatting. You can... You, you have got the power to say that, getting punched in the face, possibly. Sorry, could you just shh a bit button it? Especially oh, if it's we've a gone, nice... We've gone quiet talking about this. if it's a... <laughs> Everyone's volume level dropped in the room there. I'm thinking the microphone's not going to be picking that up. (laughs) Um, It's it's a good point and it's a valid point. Um, I think there, I I think that we're in danger of of people getting so angry that you know that their their reaction is is overreaction. I'm not going to go to any gigs because people talking annoy me. It's like, well, you know, that's not doing anyone any good, especially the bands, you know, that need your attendance. Mm. Um, it's a difficult one because we go we, to we, we, we kind of have seen that in other areas of the prog world about certain things and people are quite happy to cut their nose off to spite their face and then it's the bands and the, the genre as a whole that suffers. I go to so many loud gigs, it doesn't matter if people are talking, you can't hear no, them anyway. that's right. <laughs> so people should be into prog metal more. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I wonder if we have a problem where people are going to gigs looking because it bugs them so much, they're actually... Oh, there's a little flying ticket. Someone's going to talk. Well, someone's going to talk be, and it's going to piss no, me off. To be honest, say, say, I mean, a, some, a lot of prog music is quiet and you really want to hear... Nuanced and delicate. Yeah. Just also, like us. Some, last, last some, of the, some of the venues, you know, the big halls, they, they are seating. So you have your... You sit somewhere. And then that's really annoying if you've got, at least in the venue where you're standing, you can, I'll walk over somewhere else yeah. to get out of the way. If, if they're obviously a, a group of people having a chat, but in a seated venue, you can't. It, 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 so, would, it, it would be really interesting to see how far this extends outside of the prog world, mm. um, or if it very much remains a. a oh no, problem. it's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, just like even on, the, on a, a peripheral sense, uh, when I went to the Cardiacs, uh, sort of uh, tribute night that was a few weeks ago at the garage uh, Spratly's Japs played and there was quite a delicate song and Joe also Joe, Joe um, uh, the singer was also suffering with a throat problem and this delicate song throat problem and there was a bunch of people just chatting and chatting and chatting away and I wanted to go shut up over there but that would have ruined the ambiance well I mean I, I remember going to see the uh, now solo former singer of a well known uh, 80s and 90s prog band um, and uh, he was playing at Boston Music Room um, and there were a group of, of people who were clearly there just to see this individual who were making a lot of noise and I remember speaking to somebody that I was with and they said oh that's that's the, the fans that go and see the headline act and they're always like that they just don't care about. Uh, yeah, that's going to happen. You are. Yeah, I mean, there's an interesting thing. The the, the hundred club this week have said they're no longer going to put stage times out um, because they're fed up with people just turning up for the headline act. And you know, it's a, it's rude to the support bands. Mm. Now, I mean, the the, the 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 other side to that argument is, well, I've paid my money. It's up to me what I want to yeah. go and see. But you know, it's it's a similar thing. I mean, gig etiquette, full stop. Mm. Right? I just, I just wonder, I mean, it is an issue and it does, something needs to be done about it, but I just wonder in this, you know, this age of the internet that brings with it this sort of sense of entitlement that people have mm. about everything, um, if, if, you know, 
you need to temper that somewhat as well. Mm. I mean, you know, the way that some people have reacted, it's like, well, I'm not going to go to gigs anymore. Mm. Well, that doesn't do anyone any good. No, it doesn't. Um, well, I don't care. You know, That's it's, just petulant. It is petulant. Uh, so I think there just needs to be common sense across the board. Yes, I do think that perhaps promoters, well, it's not really promoters, is it? They're not going to yeah. care. It's venues should have they should perhaps be a bit signs up like there are signs now saying don't film yeah yeah no photos or an announcement before each band comes on please no photos and also keep keep my noise to a minimum if it's going to be a nice quiet if it's one of those blasters that we normally go to it doesn't matter you know but uh, the other things it's common sense people using having a little decorum a little common sense and a bit of respect for for the bands as much as people who've gone to see them right because we could have talked a lot about not talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, John Stout uh, said, uh, would we ever consider setting up an archive website for back issues? Uh, to be honest, John, there's a lot of archive material on the website anyway. Just go and have a look at it. Um, you know, I think you want everything. I'm not certain. Can you access it if you're not a member? There is. There's no membership. You can access absolutely everything. Mm. And we do put a lot of stuff up from, from old issues. There was, I mean, before the websites went live, the new style websites they transferred everything that had gone up at Team Rock and Team Rock's plan was to actually archive everything yeah. from Prog Classic Rock and Metal Hammer on, on the various websites um, but having said that I've looked for stuff and you can't find it and it's it's searchability that is a bit, little bit of a problem isn't it um, although the, the search facility here because when we were in Team Rock the search facility on the website never worked mm. at least it does work mm. here yeah. but um, but a lot of stuff is is up I mean it's not feasible to get everything up um, unless uh, Future spent a, a lot of money um, getting someone to, to re-input a lot of that data and I don't think that they're prepared to do that they spend their money on other things mm. um, but there's a lot of stuff up there um, for you to read I, I, I mean it if it, if it, um, if you're, if you want some sort of database, I guess that's really for somebody with an entire collection of prog magazines. If that's what they want Someone to do, might be because doing that. somebody yeah. did do, somebody did do a spreadsheet about all of the CDs. Do you remember when that's we had? That's right. Yeah. Do you remember when we used to play our little games with them and change the numbers just to? <laughs> Oh, you too. What are you like, eh? Okay. Uh, some, somebody's done that with Smash Hits. They've got an archive for Smash okay. Hits, which is really... So some, I reckon there'll probably be somebody out there. Because, mm. you know, how many issues of Prog is there? We're on 96. 90, we're working on 96. yeah. So somebody somewhere has, has got the others, and they might be doing that for us, providing a, a public service. I mean, we've got a database here of, of stuff, but it's not going to be made public. Uh, this is a... It's really an index of, of who's been in what issue. Mm. Um, I think some people might even still that's be really for, that. for, for the magazine's use. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Uh, Scott Fluffy Manger on the Prog Readers group um, says, are there any recent albums from 2000 onwards that you would consider essential must-haves for any prog lover? I think Joe's response was, yeah, there are loads, but... We're Let's deal with it another time. Wow, that's, let's have a think about that. That, I think, Scott, is a, is a whole podcast topic yeah, in itself. That's what, yeah, so that's I think what, what we'll do with that is actually... Have a special. We'll mull it over and we'll do a special Let's podcast a special. all about that. Yeah. So we'll let you know via social so media. I am concerned he thinks 2000 is recent. <laughs> yeah, that's you realise that's, that's, that's almost that's 20 years, years ago. Yeah. So, and finally, our good friend Zachary Nathanson asks, it's been 10 years since Prog Magazine launched. Uh, looking back now, what has been the most satisfying thing about Prog Magazine to you? Joe Kendall. Oh, well, you, you've just landed that. And I, and I know Zachary, because we chat online. Hello, Zachary. Um, one of the most satisfying things, I think actually getting to work on the mag, not sucking up to anybody here, but it's just been really brilliant that it actually existed. I got drafted in um, just as a freelancer to work on a new launch and within about 10 minutes it was kind of like oh oh i see this is what it is i have these records this is good and there isn't anything else like it so you know what else could i say it's been brilliant so that's been very satisfying to actually see this niche living and breathing in print on its own well said thank you and you russ well top that I wanted you to speak for longer there, so I have more time to think. Yeah, yeah. No, obviously, as a designer, I haven't had a proper job in my entire life since leaving art college. 
and we dress our one. And now to he, he, he speaks the truth because we have to get someone in when he goes home to do do it all properly <laughs> to go over the lines again. <laughs> I go over the edges with the, the crayons. So to then come to a magazine where it's it's my favourite music with a job that I don't really have to do is brilliant. So it's the um, actually it's it's been I've learned a lot more about um, different genres within the prog and rock. It is, it is the education. So it was an education of bands from the 70s that I'd never heard and now I hear their albums though that it's just come out today so that's quite good and then all this new music ever since you know and the, the growing genre that we've still got there's I a lot of new bands. I do have another there. thing which is I think what's been very satisfying about it is not only just writing about the stuff that was already there but seeing it grow. And you know, we created a landscape. We we created a, a um, or Jerry did created a garden for it to grow in, and that's what's been happening. Yeah, I mean that's a big one for me. Um, I mean, obviously, because I, I it was my idea. Um, I've got a few more. I mean, getting the mag off the ground <laughs> that was pretty satisfying. Yeah. Um, well, keeping... Seeing it flourish within three issues. Yeah. To to uh, for the publisher to say to you, we're going to keep keep this on. Yeah. I mean, it started as a quarterly with the idea that if it done all right, they may consider another four. Uh, but after three issues, it was like, right, this is a mag. Mm. Um, that was good. Um, I think, uh, obviously, you know what Joe said about uh, helping helping everyone flourish um, and being told by perhaps more established bands that you know it's nice to be taken seriously and to feel that you know their careers had a, a, a been re-energized um i'll never forget a phone call from steve hackett when we did the first piece on him went out out of the tunnel's mouth came out i got a phone call back then we used to answer the phone oh. <laughs> um got a phone call and it was like oh can i speak to jerry ewing please oh yeah speaking it's steve hackett i'm like oh christ what have we done wrong because <laughs> Having worked on music magazines for 30 years, you know, the only time that musicians normally get in touch with you is to have a go that they're not happy about something. And, and you know, a musician will look at a review and pick up the one tiny bad thing and, and just concentrate on that. It could be the best review in the world and they'll still find something and they'll only want to talk about that one, of course. one thing. So, and uh, he just said, listen, I wanted to say thank you very much for giving me a five-page feature. I can't remember the time last time the magazine, you know, gave us... Uh, so much coverage and really you know thank you so much and I was like hey you don't you make the music thank you you know so, mm. um, obviously we've become very good friends with Steve over the years mm. um, but you know um, to make artists who you know I, as someone told me said some of these guys have been told by the media that they're rubbish so much and for so long that they've started to believe it mm. and you know if we think that we managed to help pull people out of that also you know seeing that the young scene thrive to where it is now mm. Um, you know, we've got Tool and Dream Theatre and, um, you know, uh, quite a few prog bands. Uh, Animals as Leaders playing at, uh, at Download. There's a lot of prog now at Bloodstock. It's got its own festivals. Obviously, things like Summer's End, um, which I believe I now have to say is my favourite festival. <laughs> uh, um, you know, they were going before. They were, you know, I mean, we didn't create the scene. It was, no, it was, it was there. there. But, but I just it needed, it, needed, it. it needed some light on it. Yeah, yeah. it needs some sunlight um, on it. But the, I, I think, I think also, get, getting the first Prog Awards off the ground. Prog Awards was pretty good. That was, that was something. Was um, I remember walking in on the day. I'd never done an awards. I was very nervous about the whole thing. It's not like now where I just walk in, have a drink up and stay, say hello. And, mm. and don't even worry what you're wearing. No, no. That's the pictures of your jacket last year with proof. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember walking in and because uh, we'd done all the site visits and that. And when I walked in, got there at lunchtime, and they this were. This is when it was at Q. It was at, down at Q, Q Gardens. Gardens. And we yeah. walked in and they were building the stage and all these tables and that. And I just looked and went, this is all for, for us, the magazine. And shat my pants, basically. Oh. Not literally, but I was like, I was with Malcolm Dale and I said, Malcolm, can we go and have a drink, please? Because I fucking need one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that went like a dream, and every Prog Awards pretty much has done ever since. Um, that well, that's the thing we get a lot of love from lots of different areas and what's something that we have had a lot of love from is the readers mm. even though we have sometimes some interesting relationships with the readers but we have found this amazing readership people who are underserved 
and um, and they've get, supported us. Get, yeah, they've supported we, us. They've, they've, we're, um, they've, they've, you know, they they give us our jobs. Well, as as Zachary says, it's ten years, ten years um, next month that we that the first issue came out. Mm. Pink Floyd and the Gods of Prog, wasn't mm, it? Yeah. Um, and in July we'll have a hundredth issue, and I'm immeasurably proud of both of those. Mm. Um, We've got our very first sort of prog annual uh, mm. celebration of the first ten years of prog with all the very best. That's being prepared right now. It's isn't being it? prepared. I've mm. just written the the editorial. Um, you know, it's 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 a big year um, for us at the magazine. You know, like I said, ten years, a hundred issues. Um, so hopefully, you know, we'll. Um, so so not only we have do we have the content, the bands, but we have people who wanted to read about it and to to buy it as yeah, well. No. And there's, there's more and more bands and more readers so, every year. Thank you, the readers, thank you, the for readers. being thank there. You to very much. Yeah, thank you. Right, let's have a look at the well, new issue. It's been on sale for almost a week and a half, but um, I'm, I think you do a great job with the cover, Russ. The um, Jet Hotel stand up woodcut. Uh, I've kind of always seen that cover and wanted to see how it worked on a magazine cover. and, and now I have, and I like it. I love it because it looks like a, a colouring prog thing. <laughs> you can actually do I could that. do that, yeah. That's right. I want to get me. So. I want to get me be coloured pencils out for that. And of course, we're covering up with the Jeffro Toll planner the um, the mistake in the hand. Figures. Well, yeah. Which which James? Uh, is it James? Yeah. yeah. Snow. Is it? Uh, Grey Show. James Grey Show. Grey Show. The, the artist. We've interviewed him in here. Grey And um, yeah, he talks about the fact that Ian actually has. 11 fingers on his hand on the cover but as James points out is that why he's such a good flautist yeah James as James points out he goes he's only got 10 on the back it was just a mistake there was no significance to it Um, but uh, it's it's interesting actually because talking about the readers as we were a lot of a lot of people there was a lot of love for this cover when we put it up online Mm -hmm. there's a couple of people going well that's not prog now we're used to hearing that yeah. We're used to hearing that. But I would say that actually this was such a bold statement musically from This Was Jethro Tull to stand up mm. that this is where the prog thing started mm-hmm. with Jethro Tull. I mean, they may not have hit the peak, aqualung, thick peak as a brick, no. passion play. It's getting there, you know, isn't it? But this, this was, I think, a bigger progression and more progressive probably than... Um, well, it showed them expanding from the blues template. Yeah. Uh, and but it still has some. It's got the classical on it with Bourrée and things. Yeah. Um, I really like it. It's sixty nine, and there's a lot of things happening in sixty nine. And we've so obviously we're in the fiftieth anniversary of all yeah, these things are. that are going on in sixty nine. Uh, several things are things like uh, cream crimson, uh, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's a real turning point. It's pivotal. One of the reviews that I'm doing in the issue that's coming out next. Joe Banks talks about 68 as being um, sort of uh, ground zero for, for prog. Mm, I suppose because people look at 67 and go, um, they go, um, that was sort of like, that was the arch psychedelic year. Yeah. And prog came out of prog that. Prog came out of that, yeah. So 60, 68, 69, there seems to be a lot of things, a lot of landmark things, and this is one of them. So... Stand Up was Jethro Tull's first number one album. Mm. And it was the second prog album to get to number one. Do you know what the first was? What year was the first one? Give us uh, a clue. Well, I'm, I'm see, I think it was 68. Is it Days of Future Past? No, that didn't get to number one, but you've got the right band. Oh, okay. So it's a Moody Blues album. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Is it on the threshold of a dream? It's either that or it's In Search of a Lost Chord. Right, okay. Whichever one In came. Search of a Lost Chord, probably, then. I think it is yeah. In Search of a Lost Chord. Yeah, okay. So that oh. was the first prog album to get to number one. Wow. Good albums. Good well, albums, all of with, them. Because on the cover, we've got Stand Up at 50, How Tull Created Their First Number One Album. Originally, we had Prog's first number one album. Mm. And I've been going through everything and looking, right, and that was how it seemed. And I got to the publisher and he'd gone, oh, I like that for Frog's first number one. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to <laughs> check that again. This has been about the fifth time I've checked it. And I go and look and I looked on somewhere different to where I had been looking. And I'm like, hang on a minute, that came out three months, four months before this. Mm. And I'm like, 
well, I'm not going to say now exactly what I thought <laughs> thought at the time. Uh, then double checked and double checked, and I was right. So of course we had to take out progs and put there first. Tiny thing, but. Mm. Anyway. But yeah, there's lots of interesting things that go on with Tolin this year, including having Tony Iommi in the band. Yeah. And recently I went to um, the uh, screening of uh, the Running Stones Rock and Roll Circus, which is going to be reissued. Oh, is it? I was just about to say. Yeah. Which, of course, has got Iommi playing guitar for him. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the only time that you'll see him. Uh, he played two songs with them at, at that concert, but they only show one, because they only show, show Song for Jeffrey, but he did Fat Man as well. Um, what an era, what a time to have Tony Iommi there, but that, that we you know we've covered this many times. He wasn't quite dexterous enough because of having no fingertips mm. to play the things that, that it, they were oh, going to be doing later. Ian, Ian talks about that in this interview, yeah. So it's very interesting because obviously they're talking about you know, um, Mick Abraham's leaving and then mm. trying out Tony and then Martin joining. And another so. thing is they've been championed up to that point by John Peel, and then they've got all these new songs with Martin. And they play him, they, they, he sees them played, and they go, what do you make? What do you think? Because they've got all the balalaikas and all these other, like, as, as Ian called it, weird shit. And John goes, don't like it. I wish yeah. you'd stay with, I wish stay with it's you. All in, it's yeah. all in the interview. Yeah. So. I am quoting from the interview. All right. I've read this. I've read this magazine. <laughs> well, okay, read his poll. It's, uh, you know, you would, as, uh, annually, we ask you lot to tell us who you think are the, are the best, and you have. Were there any surprises? Uh, yeah, yeah, they were actually. Um, I wasn't surprised Big Big Train won. I'm loving this picture of Big Big Train. They've yeah. got their own human pyramid going. Yeah. It's so sweet. Um, it wasn't a surprise, but it was very nice to see Amy Burks. Yeah. Yeah, get, definitely. Um, Amy Burks and Beatrix players. The top five of the women, which is Amy Burks, Marianne from I'm the Morning, Lee Douglas from Anathema, Ninette. Tayeb and uh, Catherine and Davis with the anchoress. That was pretty close. Mm. That lot, um, you know, the David was a bit further ahead in in the men's. It's nice to see the Pineapple Thief win album of the year. Yeah, um, that stuff. And again, that, that basically them and Riverside were pretty much neck and neck. Mm. Um, you look at the instrument. Not really. I mean, Rothery. Rothery Hackett won it last year, I think. Rothery um, uh, Beggs has won it for years, as he said. This is getting embarrassing. Gavin again on, on the drumming front. Um, Sylph, which is Jennifer Rothery, Steve's Ooh. daughter. Um, I think that possibly that was, again, not a surprise. You can never tell with the unsigned band thing. Um, but that's probably the brilliant vote. She has been out um, touring a lot more in the last year. Um, but they're a really good band. I saw them play at, uh, I saw them do a couple of things at um, uh, Islington, I think, and I was really, really impressed. I've not seen them yet, so I'm looking forward to hearing the EP that she's talking about. I, think, I think we did a little piece on Jennifer when she was at university doing... Um, radio. Radio. Yeah, we, did, right. yeah, so, we did, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, looking at the, the reissues, yeah, Marillion 1 and 2, that... Classic, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of expected. Uh, but the Beatles... The yeah. Beatles are in there. Yes. The White album. Yep. Yes. Um, well, have you got, have you got, people... have you got that, Jerry? Because we're all Beatles fans. I've got, You're a Beatles I have, fan. I have every no Beatles. More stones. Oh, go on. I have every Beatles album on CD from Rubber Soul onwards, and then one or two of the earlier than that. Not, I don't like the earlier period, but mm. you know, it's when it gets more musically. Uh, I really, really like it. Um, I was, I mean, it made me smile. Um, I, I could imagine a few people going, well, that's not prog. And it's like, well, that's what you voted for, you know. The White uh, Album is prog. And, and Abbey yeah. Road is prog. Oh, yeah. And Simon uh, Pepper. Well, a lot of people were saying that then, you know, everyone's got their own opinion and the internet means they're not afraid to voice them. You had a lot of people mm. going, well, to be honest, I think um, Revolver's more proggy. Oh, and Revolver as well. Revolver's one of my favourite Beatles albums. It's possibly my favourite. Um, That's another colouring cover, isn't it? Yeah. Get your crayons uh, out. Um, Gleb, keyboard player. I was really chuffed, but very surprised. Mm. Because, um, but then you look, right? I mean, you expect Adam Holtzman to be up there. Tennyson won it last year. Uh, you got Jordan Rudess. Gleb's brilliant. I mean, Danny from Anathema tells me that he thinks he's the best pianist he's ever seen. Um, so I was really pleased to see Gleb do that because obviously Marianne won the 
female vocalist last year, I think, because Lee Douglas had a bit of a hold on that. Yeah. Um, the other thing, Royal Albert Hall always walk away with a venue, which doesn't surprise me because it is my favourite venue. But then you look at stuff like, I mean, it's into the Assembly Hall right up there this year. The Border Eye, obviously, people love that. Trading Boundaries. And um, the Palladium. The Palladium, and you, yeah. Loving that we've got... Uh, but the Palladium's done it because um, we've got had a few prog-based shows there. Mm. Yeah, that's not always every year. Um, event. Uh, Night of Prog has come in. Um, possibly because Big Big Drain. I imagine. Yeah. Um, that was, well, the Unsung Hero we introduced last year specifically to highlight the people that don't get the spotlight put on them. Um, you know, Lucy and Stephanie from Marillion. Uh, Pipping Nelly who won it last year uh, we know most of the people actually in, in this list they're all great um, I was very pleased to see Graham Harris because uh, I know how hard he works and you know a lot of this all goes under the radar so just pleased to see those guys um, you know getting, um, getting to take. now this was interesting um, Stephen Wilson didn't win anything this year no he wasn't really. He didn't really. Now, active, see, was he? Yeah, I mean, Steve Hackett picked up Person of the Year, which Wilson has won every year since we've done a poll. Mm. Um, you know, so. Will that all change this year? Well, this is the interesting thing. I don't. Marillion might be releasing an album. Well, they they do a new album. Dream Theatre's album came out after the poll. Yeah. Right. Um, so you, I, I would expect next year to see a huge upturn in votes for those artists, for example, because people do get very much swayed by what has been released. Um, you know, Big Big Training just did the, the live album, and we know we know that you know, they're a big favourite with a lot of our readers. Mm. So. I mean, the fact that the big hitters, as I mentioned, so you didn't have that. Opeth Anathema, uh, Marillion Dream Theatre uh, didn't release anything this year. And I think that's healthy because it allows the likes of Riverside and the Pineapple Thief and Big Big Train to claim a, you know, a rightful share of the spotlight. Because yeah. bands with the bigger fan bases mobilise the fan base to vote, wallop, yeah. off you go. Um, so, I, you know, Southern Empire, for example, uh, and lovely to see Magenta. Yeah, um, you know, in 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 the band. So, I mean, Southern Empire, I know that's very popular with a lot of our our readers. Um, and Camel, Camel, you know, Camel yeah. because they were active this year. Mm. You know, the tour and it was absolutely amazing. They were in a cover of Prog Magazine, and you know, Peter Jones um, is in the male vocalists. They're you know, he was in second the, in the keyboardists. Yeah. So. Andy Latimer, number three in guitarist. You know, so. No, I mean there was, there was some lovely surprises, but nothing that nothing. Gleb, I think, was the one which I was just chuffed to see, because I think you know his talent deserved. Uh, of course, he did have his solo album out last yeah, year. Yeah, that's which was right. Very, which was very, very well received, wasn't it? So, very well received. So the uh, disappointment category. Obviously, we've got Rush. Rush is the big one. Um, well, we we made up some people highlighted. Ten people tend to vote for someone's past, mm. um, and a lot of people got a bit shirty. Um, Rightly so, I think, when we thought about it. Um, that's not really the right way to to deal with somebody dying. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually specifically said, don't vote for... Didn't stop them, they still did. We just didn't count those votes. Yeah. But we kept that out this year, so... Number three is a weird one. Canned applause on ARW's well, the applause. I saw a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, readers getting quite... Up. I'm tired about that. And was I talking as well to compound? <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently, it, it does sound like it's canned applause. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. Okay. Oh, Awful. No. She left it off. But then you've got these other things which I, I find really interesting, such as HMV in trouble. A lot of love for HMV over Christmas yeah. time, and yeah, obviously yeah. we know now that that has been saved, but to at the expense of the Manchester store and London, the, London. And London. But, but they've Fop been, stays in London. Well, that's the thing because that is HMV. Because to be honest, I I walked past, used to walk past. I only went in once when they moved the flagship store back down to. Bond Street, mm. right? But I go and fop all the time. But the the guy who, the guy who's taking it over from um, Sunrise Records in Canada seems like he has got his head screwed on. Yes, and he said, I mean, we know how high the rents are of these things, and to lose the main Manchester store and the main London store 
means that five other stores stay open each. So I think that's pretty. Yeah, I. I, that's, that, that's, I mean, and, and maybe those jobs get redistributed and yeah, so on and so forth. I agree. I'd rather have HMV on the high street than it somewhere than yeah, definitely than nowhere. Um, and then Brexit gets a mention as well. Um, Which didn't surprise me. No. Yeah, but the disappointment is it it's hasn't happened or is happening. Oh, so debatable. Nothing's happening yet. Debatable. So. Yes, exactly. And the closure of Talking Heads venue. You know, mm. another another venue bites the dust. Yeah. And that's been the, you mean know, legendary venues going. It's going to happen. This is just the modern world. Unfortunately, it's you know, it's not right. Mm. But you know, you have to, people uh, people want money. They're more interested in lining their pocket than they are in the, the history, the historical relevance of somewhere. Um, unfortunately, you know, we're going to see a drastic change on the high street um, to the point where, you know, I grew up in Australia and we didn't have high streets really like you have here. Um, we had shopping malls. And you know, which was the thing, you know, in, in America, mm. it's like, you know, which is why, of course, everyone has cars because you don't stroll down to the shops, you get and you go to the mall, mm. um, you know, and uh, it that makes financial sense. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. I love going, yeah, you know, strolling down the road, mm. and we'll probably never lose all of that totally. But the amount, you know, I live in a reasonably affluent area and still seeing places go month after month. Mm. Um, but for things like records, it's interesting that if you can't get to an HMV, you might be able to pick it up at Sainsbury's. Yeah. That's it, that's the change. Or Urban Outfitters or, 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 or online. <laughs> or online. Or at the cha- local charity, our favourites, yeah, local the local charity, charity shops. Shop, so. Anyway, let's um, move on because we are really running out of time. One more thing to talk about, I think, Dream Theatre. We've got um, lovely six-page feature with Dream Theatre talking about their new album. Uh, Plus the lead distance, album review. Distance over time, um, which was quite a pivotal album for them, we think. Don't we? We certainly do. No. Yeah. I mean, I have to be honest. Mixed I, reactions to the astonishing. It, it was. I mean, I really enjoyed the live show of the astonishing, but um, the album, well, God, I don't listen to it anymore. Well, it's too. I think it's too long and unwieldy for. A, well, you have to settle down. I like listening to albums all the way through. Yeah. So, and it's interesting to do that now and again. Um, they definitely needed to um, liven themselves up, I felt. Yeah. And I, I think they have with this album. I mean, I listened to it. The first time I listened to it, I'm like, all right, this is more the dream theatre I know. Now, I mean, it's it's weird how prog metal seems to have become this very divisive thing, even within prog itself. But like, you know, like many things um, in this day and age, you know, prog is slowly sort of putting itself apart um, with people's views getting stronger and wanting only well my view's right and everyone else's is wrong so you just get this thing now of like it's, it's prog metal it's got metal in it don't like it don't listen to it when we started the magazine the one thing that was it was like it's got growled vocals I refuse to listen yeah and it's the element of that cutting your nose off to spite your face thing it just got a lot more not just in prog it just seems to be the way people are these days so you know people going um, you know damning prog metal you know I won't won't touch it with a barge pole um, it's still part of prog it doesn't matter what you say about not liking it it's still going to remain part of the, the, the yeah. overall genre yeah it's a, it's a colour in the spectrum it really is and it's very well needed I mean we're attuned to it because we come from metallic backgrounds yeah. we like we like loud yeah. music and we like we like guitars and uh, guitars and things I do so we're attuned to it but not everybody is and it's, it's not it's not for everyone I have to say just in the issue that we're working on coming up Dom's prog metal column has got some absolute bangers in for people who like pure prog as well. So it's always worth looking at Dom's prog metal column. And it's always worth listening to a Dream Theatre album because they do have a prog sensibility in amongst the other things that you might think that's too metal for me. Um, They've got uh, complexity. They've got... um, Dazzling musicianship. Dazzling musicianship. They've got um, uh, the concepts. They've got a lot of thought, great lyrics... Um, it's it's very exciting to listen to as well. It's it's See, it's adrenaline. I, I would probably say I'm, I'm more like your typical dream theatre fan. Um, I was upset when Portnoy left, um, but I got over it and I liked what they did very much afterwards. Uh, but even the astonishing was, and I love concept albums and I love the theatricality of a rock opera. And even for me, I'm like, nah, this is a step too far. It was very this, good live though. We loved it live. 
Yeah, now I did, but I have said that. I did yeah. like the live show. Yeah. But this, listening to this, I'm like, this is the dream theatre I know and love. I'm very happy to have them back. Mm. But they, they remain different. I mean, the, the interview's interesting, Dave Ling's interview, because they talk about, they said, look, we know we're divisive now. We know there are people who, who will listen to us and they'll go, you know, they'll listen a couple of seconds and go, I hate it because it's us. And then there are others that will say the exact opposite because it's us. You know, they said, yeah, I mean, they, I, I'll quickly flip through and I think, find a bit that I... Um, here you go. To pair hoot with laughter at the remind, reminder that when first when the first YouTube teaser clip was posted, one wag wrote, "It's just thirty six seconds long and already better than the astonishing." Another, <laughs> another, Petrucci says, and another said, "It's only thirty seconds long, and I know I'm going to hate. This. I'm going. I'm not going to buy this album." Yeah, no. Uh, and I think you know what you got was a kind of really nice acceptance from them. This is the way it is now, but we're going to carry on doing what we do so I think um, I definitely get it in the article that it was such a pleasant time for them recording it that they've got a strength out of that so where all the criticism of the last album might get them down or you know the fan base turning against them in certain areas I think they they bonded again yes I think so. well, I say what well, I mean I'm it's really I'm looking forward to seeing them live obviously I'll be at download to see them but um, hopefully they'll do some some other other gigs too and there, I think, looking at the clock, and so I'd said I wanted to keep this short, and we've pretty much gone ah. to an hour, um, we are going to leave it. So thank you all very much for listening. Thank you, Joe and Russell, for joining us. That's okay. Uh, till the next Frog Podcast, which hopefully won't be as long a gap as uh, between the last one and this. Um, yeah, we'll see you then. See you later. Bye. Bye.